0: you're listening to the performance group podcast a place to listen learn and get to know the unseen heroes of our local community welcome to the show i'm your host sean kirby and on the performance group podcast we make it our mission to learn from those around us and shed light on our local community if you're new to the show we have spoken to business leaders community organizers friends and family and before we jump in today i hope to ask you for a favor If you could please just take one second to hit subscribe and share our posts, it would mean a whole lot to me, our team here at The Performance Group, and our amazing guests on today's show. Hello, and welcome to The Performance Group Podcast, another Blue Collar Blueprint series with the one, the only, Tom, not Todd, Tom Shriver from Peterman Brothers. Tom is the um, HR manager now, correct? That's right. He started a year ago in March, and now you went from corporate recruiter all the way to human resources manager. So Todd, or Todd, <laughs> I did it <laughs> I, That was um, Freudian. I don't know what happened there. That was a slip. So uh, Tom, let's kind of take things back and tell me about how you ended up um, at Peterman Brothers, because I
1: realized that you're actually from um, a ministry side, correct? Yeah, absolutely, Sean. So I, I spent the first start, like first chunk of my career, I guess I could say uh, doing doing ministry, some work in nonprofits, uh, a little bit in suicide prevention, that type of stuff. And I, I typically had a director role, director title, right? And so when you're working in ministry, um, I'll, I'll be honest, those are handed out pretty easily. Uh, You can be a director when realistically your job is more of a program coordinator kind of position. But as I grew in the work that I did there and kind of in that nonprofit world, I moved up into more legitimate director roles where I had direct reports and had a little bit more say in strategy and, you know, uh, HR. The, The church that I was involved with or churches, I should say, did not have HR departments. So it kind of fell upon the director and various boards to make sure that things happened um so I started kind of you know building up those HR chops and I found out wow this is really what I love to do uh I knew I wanted to go into HR in a more generalized sense and I knew I had to find a good place to start I was also very well aware that though I I had a certification I had skills and competencies in HR and it had been doing it for a number of years my resume didn't reflect that as as well as I would have liked so uh, I knew I had to get my start somewhere and and hoped that I could prove my abilities and move up pretty quickly. And I'm not going to lie, I just kind of lucked out in finding Peterman Brothers, starting here as a, as a corporate recruiter, uh, seven, eight months later, moving into a generalist role, a couple months after that, moving into the HR manager role.
0: And that's um, that all happened really quick, honestly. Um, it did. And I know Peterman's been on a pretty good trajectory from growth, and I assume I don't want to toot your horn, Tom, but I assume you're a big part of that because the hardest part in that business, as we all know for blue collar businesses,
1: is people. It, it absolutely is. And, and I do uh, pride myself in the role that I've played in seeing that growth happen here, but I, I can't take all the credit. I can't toot my own horn too much. We have a fantastic team. Uh, currently, as of today, at the time of this recording, our company is at about and thir- or sorry, three hundred and sixty-seven employees. Wow. When I started March 1st of last year, we were 215-ish. Um, I could go back and find that exact number, but uh, you know, that's pretty good growth over a year. Um, yeah, very much so. 100%. We've, we've got uh, close to 50 people that are supposed to start before mid-April as well. So we just keep growing. We can't really stop it. We just have a really fantastic team uh, all around that's making it happen.
0: And a lot of that comes from the Peterman Top uh, Tech Academy, correct? Because it's it's kind of your funnel.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that that's, uh, I think, a really cool thing that Peterman does. The Top Tech Academy takes folks who have no experience in the trades. Right now, we focus on plumbing and HVAC, and we train them up. And not only do we uh, enroll you in an academy and, and get you the training you need, but we pay you to go. So it, it's a very unique model. Um, it's, it's expensive for us, but it's well worth it. We get to find the best and the brightest folks that are interested in breaking into the trades, um, which, you know, we're seeing fewer and fewer people that are having that innate interest. So we're able to work with them, convince them that this is a really good path, Uh, see the earning potential, see, you know, that not only do you not have to pay for school, but we can pay you to go to school, guarantee some employment after. And, And we're bringing in right now about 27 people every top tech semester. But our company is currently building a new building with a new Top Tech Academy that we're hoping will be closer to 40 people every semester. Wow. So that a semester, I'm assuming it's a six-month process? Uh, yeah, it's, it's five months or seven months, depending on the season. So it, the process is a little bit more drawn out during busy season for the HVAC folks. Um, but the, the classroom time is the same. The field time just kind of varies based on how busy we are in that time of year.
0: So did, were they running that program when you first got there last year?
1: Yeah, the program started, uh, I believe, sometime in 2020. So I had come in uh, with our third top tech class. Our fourth top tech class starts on Monday. Uh, That's coming up week. So I, I've gotten to see two classes make it through so far.
0: That's pretty amazing. So um, one of the things we hear from every contractor we work with or we talk to is this employee shortage or the lack of talent. Um, so we talk about it and we have a rule of business, and rule number four is attract and keep good people, whether that's customers or employees. Um, how can you speak to what Top Tech Academy has done for you guys to attract and keep new people?
1: Absolutely. So I I think on the uh the attract side, like I said, you're you're getting paid to go to school. That's a pretty attractive thing for a lot of folks. Um, and it's really competitive. So not only do we attract a lot of people, but about two percent of the applicants are going to make it into the program might even be closer to one wow. and a half percent around. So we get lots of applicants, lots of traction. It, it keeps our recruiters busy and, uh, you know, making sure that we're finding the best people to put through the program. But when they get in, I, I think a lot of folks are, are really grateful for the company that gave them a chance, that gave them the training, that not only gave them a job, but gave them a career and a livelihood. Um, and we, we found a lot of top tech graduates kind of echoing that sentiment for us so obviously we we hope that they stay with peterman for a long time my goal with every top tech student is that they eventually retire from this company is that realistic probably not right definitely not however um i, I still think uh, the human side of peterman and what we see in folks is we are giving people a livelihood and a career and if they happen to live it out somewhere else and that's better for them that that's great too
0: you know, that's one of the things that I feel like is missing from, I'll call it our generation. Um, you look at my grandfather um, and a lot of these people from central Indiana and in that age group. Um, you ask them what they did for a living. They told you where they work, not what they did. Um, today, you look at people our age and they, they don't say where they work. They tell you what they do. I'm an accountant. I do this, right? Nobody, nobody goes and retires. Yeah. They don't put their 30 years in and get their punch card and get their cake and leave. Um, yeah. I think what you're doing to, to try to get people to retirement is a beautiful thing.
1: And I, I think that you bring up a really good point there, Sean, and and people in HR um, or anyone who has, you know, decision-making roles within a company need, need to remember that people do have a lot of choice. So it used to be a little bit more of that punch in, punch out, pushing the time. We expect loyalty from you as an employee, but we have we have no legitimate reason to expect that now. If somebody can go make 10% more by leaving our company. I don't fault them for that. I think that's a smart thing to do. So that just shifts my mindset to to how can we make this more attractive than leaving to get that extra bump in pay or to get those benefits that we're not offering and, and kind of thinking in a more strategic mindset there.
0: So I would say that's a huge thing, Um, especially in central Indiana with maybe some of these smaller contractors. Obviously, you guys have reached a size um, that you're putting so much investment in people, especially with the Top Tech Academy, right? Um, That everyone I talk to says, oh, they'll leave me for a dollar, oh, they'll do this. Um, Talk about how company culture and some of the things you do are keeping people longer even without that extra pay bump.
1: Absolutely. And, and I'll be fully transparent. We're, we're still learning. We're still working there. Um, with the rate that our growth has been been happening, we're we're seeing some learning curves and things that we need to do to get better. But I think all in all, the, the big things we focus on are w- what's going to make you a, a better, more holistic person. What's going to give you that life that you're looking at? So um, for us, our, our CEO actually sat down with our operations team. So that's middle level management up to our executive team. And Uh, said, you know what, we talk about how much we care for our customers and our employees, but I've talked to three technicians this week that were working until 8pm. And he's like, we got to stop that we can't do that. And then they have to go on call that same weekend. Absolutely not. So his solution to that was to move to no on call. So starting May 1st, we have no on call for our technicians. So Things like that, like realizing that if we're going to tell our employees that we care about them, we care about their family, that we have these family values as a family owned company, we need to really own up and, and show it right actions speak louder than words so you no know, on call for us was was the first move in that area.
0: And when you say no on call does that mean now people are scheduled for those time periods, or. What, yeah, how does that work.
1: Yeah. So, so we'll do more shifted schedules or variable shifts with folks. So, um, if somebody signs up, you may get a little bit of a pay bump or guaranteed 40 hours. If you're going to take one of the non Monday through Friday shifts, one of the yeah. less traditional shifts.
0: And that makes sense. And you let people make the choices they want to make and rather than assigning it to them. My wife's a nurse and, um, you know, she now works two days a week and no weekends, no holidays. And just doing that for our family was what mattered to her more so than the money on the weekend and all the other things that they had to offer.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There are different people with different preferences. I I get in the office at about six 7 every morning. If I had my choice, I'd probably be a noon to eight schedule Monday through Friday, but it doesn't work well for my position. But, you know, I, I think a lot of folks just have different lifestyles and different things that work well for them. So it's really a win-win to find a schedule that works for you. Uh, and make sure that nobody else has to work more than they really need to. We're not trying to burn people at both ends until they leave the company. We're trying to give them a place that they can find a healthy lifestyle and a healthy balance between work and family.
0: And I think that helps that you have always that recruitment class at the same time. Um, a lot of people yeah. say they're short, shorthanded and then they'll hire anybody off the street.
1: Have yeah. you, have you guys ran into that problem before? It has happened that there have been some hires that we've made that have not been, I, I should say, to the standard that we usually um, hope to bring in with candidates. And if if we're being honest, Sean, with the amount of technicians that are available and the amount of folks looking for technicians, sometimes you have to make those concessions. So with that comes coaching our recruiters and our managers on looking for potential in folks, right? So recruiting for potential. Uh, more than just that straight up skill set.
0: So how much has your position shifted from recruitment to uh,
1: the managerial side? It's shifted a lot and not so much. So it it really just depends on which day we're looking at. Uh, Last week was very heavy on employee relations. I didn't get a lot of time with my recruiters, uh, but I do manage our talent team right now. We are growing at a rate that I think that we will will move somebody else into that role that can focus just on the recruiting and talent side of things here pretty soon. Um, but I, I still get a really active hand in the day-to-day of, of that piece at the moment. Um, actually, right before we got on here, I finished up a meeting with our recruiters and kind of talked about where we are and all that good stuff.
0: So what would you say to the average individual that thinks of your position as Toby from
1: the office? <laughs> I, I think that we have a few of those. Uh Uh, I try to be a more approachable HR person. I try to care a little bit more than that, but hey, for some people, HR is HR and and Toby is Toby, you know? (laughs) Absolutely. We're just here to go letter to the law. Absolutely. So you came from uh, the ministry side and you said
0: that obviously there was no defined position. Um, I would say the majority of business owners don't have a defined HR person in their office. It's Linda yeah. or whoever is office manager. It's just another thing that falls on her plate. And she doesn't really have any training. Um, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned early, early, early in your career that made you either take that next step or learn to delegate that somewhere else?
1: Yeah, I, I think for me, Sean, the, the big uh, first indicator that I really liked HR and appreciated what it did, because I, I had that mindset of HR being a Toby. Of being somebody who's just in there to play the role of the bad guy most of the time. Um, but, but when I really started learning more about HR, uh, one of the first areas that I dove into was onboarding and how a successful onboarding process can really make a difference in employee retention and just an overall new hire experience. Um, I can say that that prior to joining Peterman, I had never had any sort of orientation. It was usually show up on your first day. That first day can be whenever you want it to be. We'll give you some keys, show your office, give you a tour, and then you do you, right? So learning that uh, orientation can make a huge difference h- had me down a rabbit hole. And I was reading all kinds of articles, networking with all kinds of people to learn about what a successful orientation and onboarding process looked like, the importance of knocking out some pre-boarding ahead of time to main- maintain contact with your candidates and Lots of different things like that. It's kind of showed me that HR is such a value add and companies that value HR are truly valuing the lives of their employees. When a lot of companies bring on HR when they have to, when they, when, when it makes more sense to pay somebody to do it than to pay the fines, to not have somebody doing that kind of stuff and being out of compliance. Uh, So yeah, just finding an organization with an HR business partner mindset where they're, where they're going to look to HR for guidance and value and not just compliance. Well, and I think,
0: go back to the Toby model, that's what the way a lot of people, especially I would say in the blue collar workforce, look at it. Um, the The people at the top tend to have been there for a while. Um, yep. So it ha- it's, tends to be a stale, that's the way it's always been, that's the way we've always done it mindset. Um, i Think one of the cool things about Piedmont in it is it's got a, the, the next generation is now at the, the helm. Um, and, and it's it shows, we'll say it that way. And you guys have grown, you know, tenfold
1: because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, it does show and it, it's, it's great. We have a, a business that's been here for 36 years. We've got a really good reputation in our community. We do fantastic work. We have that solid foundation uh, but it feels like we're working at a startup, right? It feels like we're doing something new. Um, so, so having the privilege of living in both worlds, having Chad and Tyler Peterman taking us in kind of a new direction, but Pete Peterman is still here. He's still got an office upstairs. He's we call him semi-retired. He's he's not quite as active as he used to be, but he still cares about these people and and what we're doing and making sure that that his name and his company uh, is is operating in the way that you know he he wants it to operate. So, like I said, we get that foundation. Of a fantastic business with the feel of a startup. And it's just a really exciting place to be.
0: You know, you say that, and that's something I guess I didn't even think about on the outside looking in is it does have the feel of a startup, doesn't it? Yeah. In a in a business model that's been here for generations. And when you think about plumbing and HVAC, the last thing on your mind is a tech startup. <laughs> exactly. Um, so coming out of the uh, the church and coming out of, you know, I would say, that mindset, how does that benefit you in your position today
1: as an HR uh, manager? I think, honestly, uh, the biggest area that I've benefited is being good with difficult conversations. Um, my first termination at Peterman, for example, uh, I, I think was was just a lot easier. I didn't have to let people go a lot at the church. We, we had a smaller staff. Um, I, I had I think in the history of my employment, terminated two people before I came here. And it was just, you know, it's a little bit different. Um, same with various employee relation issues that can just be a little bit awkward, uh, difficult for a lot of folks, but but I'm used to difficult conversations. I'm used to being in that moment and delivering that news. So I think that was honestly the the biggest asset that came over and, and delivering those hard conversations with care.
0: I think that's beautiful. So I've always heard the, the slow to hire, quick to fire term, right? Um, mm-hmm. Talk to me about you know, some of those hard decisions that you guys have to make every day and the negative impact if you wait or you, I don't want to say that, but yeah, let's just say that you wait and wait until some, the big one happens or something
1: bad happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. Sean, there's definitely a fine line and I'm not going to pretend to have perfected that. I think that there are times that we, we may have been too quick to terminate and there are times that we've waited too long to terminate. Uh, So you grow into it and kind of learn that the more you're willing to really reflect every time that that termination happens or every time you might have made a wrong move. But if if we let people stick around for too long and and they're disengaged from our culture, they're disengaged from what we're doing uh, and they're being toxic members of a team, um, it's absolutely more harmful and it's reducing productivity in, in all areas of the company if, if we let that continue. So uh, being able to, to train managers more than anybody to recognize the difference between maybe not liking somebody uh, and, you know, uh, recognizing if they're truly a toxic member of the team.
0: And, and so do you guys do any sort of um, training, interpersonal training with your teams?
1: We do. We do. And we're-, we're Even your technicians? Yeah, we, we do training with our technicians, we do it with managers. Uh we have we've had a training department for a while that had mostly focused on the technical skills. Um but fairly recently we we brought on Chris Evers. He's he came from ADT Defenders and uh, a few other organizations before that. Um and he kind of led the training efforts there. So he's got a more holistic approach to training, not just technical skills, but um making sure that that we train those interpersonal skills as well.
0: Speaking of interpersonal training, I um, caught wind of Chad's podcast. Can't stop the growth. Yeah. So how does that work? Because when I have seen the videos, it looks like he's in front of people. What's how, what,
1: what is that? So Chad alternates with his podcast um, every other week. He is doing a future leader session at Peterman. So it's either at our Greenwood campus here or one of our five uh, satellite or one of our four satellite campuses. He'll uh, just be on site and kind of give a, a pep talk, a motivational talk, focusing on growing as a leader um, in a nutshell. So he does those every other week. They're at 6 a.m. on Fridays in person. He's doing one tomorrow in Bloomington at 6 a.m. Wow. Uh, he, You can go in person or you can get on. We use Workplace, which is like a f- Facebook for the workplace, basically. You can get on there and watch it too. Um, and then the other weeks, every other week, he also has like a guest on from typically another company in our industry, but they they can really vary to talk about a topic with them as well. How do you feel like that impacts um, everybody
0: within the company
1: as they're led from that, a leader standpoint? I think it is, honestly, it's what drew me to the company. Um, The way that Chad talks about and views leadership is that every single person in our company is a leader. Uh, you may not directly manage people, but leadership is much more broad than that. At the very, very least, you're leading yourself every single day. So training you and, and encouraging you to focus on, on leading yourself well is important. It's obviously also important to better yourself as a leader if you are managing people or bigger projects or whatever it may be. But just focusing on everybody's individual contribution and, and how leadership impacts that. Does that make your job easier? as an HR manager? It does, it does. It also uh, can sometimes not make it harder, but it, ge- it gives me a lot more work because people are more willing to, to advocate for themselves, to share their ideas, to you know have a seat at the table and to, to be a part of that conversation. Uh, so overall, definitely makes it easier. It can also give me a little bit more follow-up than I may have at other other companies. Which is good. A lot of the time you don't see that that technician putting in their information
0: or their yeah. own input. So that that's awesome to see. Do you guys hire um or promote from within? For we the do most part. Yeah,
1: I, I think I'm honestly a prime example of of many people's career paths here. Uh field trainers, managers, uh accounting supervisors, etc. like we have so many people that that started at the bottom and just really worked their way up. Um we also try to focus as much as we can on not just upward growth, but making sure that we're understanding what it is that, that makes you tick and what what you're passionate about and maybe lateral growth and, and finding a more robust position that doesn't necessarily just promote you to your level of incompetence. Yeah.
0: So as a HR manager, let's let's go ahead and break down what you feel like most people think your job is from a compliance standpoint versus what you feel like you do from a day-to-day basis? Because I think there's a lot of people that are trying to take this hat off that's maybe in the the ops role or they're in the CEO role or they're just a business owner with 25 guys and they haven't hired this position. How would they even hire their first HR manager or generalist or somebody to
1: take this off their plate? That's a great question. I I think that the first thing that that, uh, that leader would need to do is ask truly, what do I want from a HR representative? Um, if it really is just a compliance hire, you can find somebody who just wants to be by the book. They want to memorize the handbook and make sure that we follow the policies to a T. Um, I would encourage folks to, to look at HR beyond that, right? To, to see the value that can be added. So I think a lot of people do see me as that person or see the HR manager position as that person who is just going to do whatever I need to do to support the business and save the business money, Uh, pretend to like employees, but really all I care about is is our our owners and our business and bottom line. um, I encourage anybody who's hiring an HR person to to find somebody who is truly passionate about people that wants to make this the, the best place to work that they possibly can. I think when you have that mindset, Uh, You'll bring on somebody in HR who's going to spend a lot of time strategically thinking about what we can do to make the lives of our employees better. um, And how can we partner that with our business to also make sure our business succeeds?
0: Um, So how would you say, I know you've got two separate um, qualifications on here, an APHR and a PMQ. How would you say those helped you get to that position? Because one of those is a people manager qualification, which I think I might need for home. (laughs) <laughs> my own life. I'm not even sure what it is, but how, how have those helped you get a little bit better at what you do?
1: Yeah. So the APHR is is definitely more just understanding um, the laws and kind of that compliance piece and a lot of the technical aspects of HR. So uh, that type of certification is really important. Um, uh, the, the SHRM CP is another really good one. The PHR, there, there are plenty of certifications out there that are going to really help you uh, to show, hey, I know what I'm talking about. I know what I'm doing. Uh, the PMQ is, is something that um, is put on by the Society for Human Resource Management, but anybody can take it. So I encourage any manager who, who will do an online training and take it seriously to pursue that. It's sort of a, a gamified version of, of an online webinar, if you will. So you've, you've got ample time to complete it. Uh, you get some CEUs if you do have a certification. So it's a plus there. But it's going to teach you a little bit about managing people and some things to consider. And it will cover anything from transferring to a new department to, hey, I've never managed before and I'm managing for the first time. What are some things I can do? Um, I'm managing somebody that used to be my coworker. What, what can I do to win them over? Because that's going to be an awkward situation for everybody. Uh, it just covers a lot of different scenarios and builds up your leadership chops. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And I think that's one of the the biggest things is taking an HR compliance officer and making them that leader, that people person. Um, One of the things that I thought you talked about that I thought was beautiful and I wrote down was the onboarding, the orientation, the pre-boarding. As we kind of back into that, what kind of pre-boarding do you guys have for your people? I know you do the Top Tech Academy. um, So I would call that pre-boarding in a sense, correct? Yeah, you, you could look at it that way. Sure. So what, what other kind of pre-boarding and onboarding do you do, you do to make sure that people are su- successful when they get there? A lot of people just put them in a truck to say, good luck.
1: Yeah. So the, the pre-boarding is what we focus on uh, to reinforce the decision, right? If we hire you to work here, Sean, then you're probably going to have questions. You probably apply to other places. You might even have other offers that you turn down to come to Peterman. So we try to use that process to, to reinforce that decision. So Um, things like sending handwritten letters with, you know, a sticker or something inside of it to your home address before you start to to make sure that we're giving you all the details that you need for your first day, Uh, knocking out some personality assessments ahead of time. Um, That one for me just kind of communicates that we care about you as a person and we're going to learn who you are before you even step in the store. Um, We're going to share that with your manager. Some of it is a little bit more uh, just to save you time. Right. So uh, filling out any of those tax and direct deposit pieces of paper before you start. So you don't have quite as long to sit and do paperwork <laughs> on your first day and you can really dive in and just start learning about the company. Um, so I think pre-boarding is just just knocking out as much of that, that boring stuff ahead of time while also reinforcing your decision and saying, hey, you belong here and this is the right choice for you. Absolutely, Tom. So when you're
0: doing the orientation is that set with a separate technician is that like a set time period that you're kind of working with them or what what does that look like in your organization
1: yeah orientation here is kind of ever evolving and we're always looking to make it better right now it's every other monday Uh, It's a full day of training for everybody. So for folks who are on the administrative side, they've a lot of times sat through an orientation before they're used to it. It's nothing new. Um, A lot of our technicians have have never had anything like that before. So it's a chance for us to go over, obviously, policies and procedures, uh, a little bit about benefits and 401k and then that type of stuff. But we also use it to explain our personality assessment and and to do some professional development training to make sure that you get to meet some people Chad Peterman comes in every orientation brings bagels and coffees from Panera and we'll just sit down and, and learn a little bit about every new employee so uh, part of it is, is to give you the information you need to be successful from day one but the other part is to introduce you to a bunch of different people so that you've got some familiar faces as you start because being at a new company is it's scary right you, you're a little bit unsure, you're asking yourself, did I make the right choice? Am I in the right place? Uh, am I going to get along with the people that are here? And we, we try to facilitate as much of that as we can during the day one orientation. Now the onboarding following orientation is, is a process that we're continually improving too. So all of our technicians will have at least two more weeks following day one orientation, that they're going to learn about some more of our, our technical processes and procedures and systems that we use Uh, But they're also going to do some ride-alongs and learn from different technicians and and see how they're supposed to do their job and see how it happens before they go out. And like you said, a lot of our technicians are used to showing up, getting in a truck, and just doing their thing. So we try to make it a little bit more robust and a little bit more uh, uniform across the board so that our customers know exactly what to expect from any Peterman technician. So speak to kind of what mentorship means
0: to Peterman and not only its employees, but its leadership staff because I think mentorship is a
1: beautiful thing. Yeah, mentorship is is absolutely a beautiful thing. And I, I think for us, it just means uh, knowing that you have the ability as a mentor, um, regardless of how formal that mentorship is set up, that you have the ability to positively impact a life and positively inca- impact a career. Um, I think some, some folks take new people under their wings during ride along. And it may be a little bit more of a personal mentorship right, where they're walking through some, some financial situations and what they should do, uh, what things they should look for. I don't know, when, when buying a car or opening a checking account or whatever, new things that, that may be for some people. Um, and sometimes it's gonna be, you know this guy's got a lot of potentials as a really skilled technician. So I'm gonna teach them how to be as good as they can and how they can translate that skill to the customer and explain that in a way that the customer understands. Uh, so that there are a lot of different ways that mentorship plays out here at Peterman, but we're we're always encouraging folks, at, you know, with that lead myself mentality to to pass on what they know to other people and, and lead in that way as well. That
0: servant leadership, that servant's heart. Absolutely. So, Tom, I want to be respectful of your time this morning. Um, I want to say one, thank you so much. I think you've been absolutely impactful for me as somebody who works with businesses every single day. I think that this is culture is very important, especially in old school businesses. You don't see it pop out as much as it should. Sure. Um, if you were to give a word to those who have been maybe, they're trying to break out of that old school mentality in 2022, what would you say from an HR's perspective or from just your human perspective, Tom?
1: I uh, Also, Sean, thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Glad to be here and, and join on this podcast that I enjoy listening to. Um, I, I would say that the one thing to do is, is to know your people, know, know where you are and what they value and lean into that as much as possible. There are going to be some organizations that, that don't mind on-call. People may want the on-call. So, you know, what is it that, that they're going to value? What can you do to make your people feel as appreciated and, and uh, integral to your success as possible? And, and give, give everybody room to help with that success. Um, obviously, as a business leader, business owner, you're going to be the one that is kind of leading the effort. And a lot of people are going to always carry that on their shoulders. And you know, they're going to wear the cape and be the hero that's pushing the business forward. But I think the more autonomy that you can give other people, the more affinity that, that we can promote among our employees, uh, the, the more successful they're going to be in their life. Absolutely. In all aspects, not only just in the workplace. Exactly.
0: Well, Tom, I want to say thank you to you, to everybody at um, Peterman. I want to say that you guys are an organization to look up to um, and you guys are definitely changing the world and I'm excited to see where you are a year from today.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Sean. I appreciate you again for having me on. All right. Thank you.
0: Hey guys, thank you again so much for your love and support of the Performance Group Podcast. For more information on the podcast, the Performance Group, or even our guests, feel free to reach out directly via our website, performancegroupindiana.com, or feel free to email me directly, which is sean at performancegroupindiana.com. We'll see you guys next week.